everybody, and welcome back to the I Don't Know Running podcast, where we share our experiences that make running fun and sometimes not so fun. I'm Lewis, and I'm a self-admitted lazy ultra runner. And I am Mitch. I don't know what I am today. I think you are a runner who ran less than me today. I'll tell I, you that much. I, I know. I know. <laughs> and But I, I think I might have beat you yesterday. I got 10 miles in. I'm sure you did. My long runs right now are eight miles. <laughs> I know. That was that was a big jump for me. I went from eight to ten miles. So was mine. I went six, six, eight. It feels like we're just starting to run again. Sounds like we both can, are just getting back. I, I remember doing my first ten mile run and being like, that is that is awesome. I just ran ten miles. I I don't know if I was quite there yesterday. It's all about perspective. Great. We've said that before. Yep. Well, I felt great today. I'll say that. And, and I, I feel did. I, and I know you didn't. I know when I got back from my run, I was surprised when you said you only did three. Yeah. Cause I, I cut it short. I even, I, you were teasing me. I stopped to use the bathroom as usual, but yep. it did not help me after I stopped. Yeah. Well, I felt great and I, I feel even better about this segment that we are recording today because this is the first segment of the You Don't Know What You Don't Know by PT Sports Pro. We have a couple of guests. Terrence is joining us. Terrence? Yes. Thank you guys for having us on the show. Um, I've been on a couple of episodes now and we've yeah. teased this up up to this point. So it's kind of nice to be able to finally get this going because you don't know what you don't know. And I and don't know a lot. And I'm I'm so happy for this segment. <laughs> I know, so am I. I mean, I'm I'm so excited to even bring in uh, a partner with us today from PT Sports Pro. Yeah, welcome, David. Yeah, my name is Dave DePrado. Um, yeah, I've been a physical therapist for about fourteen, little over fourteen years now, and specializing in sports rehab and seeing a lot of athletes. Loving to see runners, triathletes, swimmers, and swimming is my background and. Yeah. And quite a swimmer, uh, for those that don't know. Um, yeah, this is really exciting. And, and I, we can now, uh, talk about David joining PT sports pro, which obviously we just talked about that, but it is exciting because this is brand new. Yes, it is. Yeah. No, the, the whole idea again is to bring together like the best of the best so that we could provide the best expertise to our community as well. And this whole segment, you don't know what you don't know, is really a, a, a springboard from that because there's so many questions out there that's being asked at so many different levels. And so we thought, why not create a show where we can try to address some of those questions and even help our athletes ahead of time? So I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out over the next year. Yeah. And we actually have a nice rollout on it as well. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Why don't we start with, and, and we have talked about this before when you've been on, especially the last episode, but why don't we jump back, rewind it just a little bit and talk about why PT, why PT Sports Pro, the background to it. Uh, just give us a little bit about that and yeah. some things that are coming. Yeah, yeah. Just to quickly recap, because uh, you guys have heard some of this before if you've listened to our previous podcast. But um, I am Terrence Rubin, one of the founders of uh, the founder of PT Sports Pro. I started the the company um, uh, last year and am in the process of opening up a brand new sports medicine practice. As part of that that sports practice, I really wanted to have a an educational segment so we can help our communities understand these kinds of questions and create the right answers to these questions, create a resource for them. And during that time, as I was trying to process this and figure out the space and what I would need, I ran into Mitch at one of the races and we started talking about the I Don't Know Running podcast. And And I love, I, I quickly got on board and tried to listen to a couple of episodes. I'm like, this is cool stuff. I want to be able to get on a podcast like that. And instead of reinventing the wheel with PT Sports Pro, how about we create some sort of a partnership? And it's taken us about a year to kind of discuss what yeah. that would look like and, and tease out some of the, you know, the pros and cons of doing this. Because quite frankly, I didn't want to have the responsibility of having to manage all of the segments. I want to focus on the clinical side of what I do, which is what we're good at. But, you know, with you guys being the pros in, in this uh, arena and having set a really cool base for your podcast, I thought, why not figure out if, they, if a partnership would make sense? Um, and as the more we talked about it, the more it totally made sense to the, the kind of things that we love talking about and the things that we want to discuss. And we always found it so much easier to talk to each other 
about stuff. We we talked about this before. We get Terrence going. We don't get to talk. Come back and <laughs> just, just listen. <laughs> He's claiming that there was like a bunch of, you know, uh, yeah, I don't a know. bunch of record. I don't know that we were going on and on and on. I don't. Uh, all I know is so just Lewis. <laughs> well, <laughs> he was explaining to us about his knee. <laughs> Here's the thing: I uh, I own all of the all of the content, so I can choose how much I speak. <laughs> yeah, I can edit it and make exactly. it sound any way I want. Exactly. So yeah, no, I'm happy to fill in any uh, you know down spots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Terrence can definitely carry a conversation. Anybody that's talked to him knows that. Which, on the other hand, is also wonderful because it comes from a heart of gold. So. Um, so yeah, yeah that was the background to why PT Sports Pro is, is going down this road with, I don't know, running. Um, and it, it makes sense to partner up, not just with the concept, but also with people that you enjoy talking about stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited about this as well, because I'm going to use this as my personal, you know, we're, we're going to do some demonstrations at some Your point. Personal PT. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. I'm going to have professional opinions all the time. So as I'm getting back. This is going to be the benefit for me. So everybody yeah. can follow along as I'm trying to rehab. In the next okay. room, we're just going to get a table. <laughs> we're going to get a table and set up in the next room. every time these guys come over, hey, could you just you look know, at something real I quick? Got, I got this kink. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you guys chat about that. But at the same time, uh, one of the reasons why we're even wanting to do this segment is that we have, there's so many times where people will stop us, even when we're out there competing. It's like, oh, you know, I, I, I strained my hamstring or whatever two races ago. And what, what should I do differently, like on race morning? Uh, and so how can we help those sort of folks? Also, there are people that think they know what's going on. And, Google and, is awesome. Yeah. Mm. And, 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 and they don't want to <laughs> kind of appreciate that there's more to, you know, things. And, and maybe we can help provide some expertise. Right. And we don't have all the answers. So whatever we know, we'll share. Whatever we don't know, we'll make up. I, I know someone that's really good at WebMD. I'm not going to name names, but really good. But it's funny that you say that because I was running with a friend yesterday that I haven't seen in a while. And he's like, I got this hamstring issue. What are you doing about it? Are you just running on it or are you going to see someone? And I think that there are so many people out there. And even if they don't go see you, go do something about it. Absolutely. And I think that's what we want to drive. It's right. not about, and that's what I like about what your passion is. It's not necessarily that they come see you. They oh, got to do something to get back out there. You know, I appreciate you bringing that up because really this is not about everyone coming to see us at PT Sports. World. We are just using the platform, the opportunities that we are given to help our community at large. So if you as an athlete are listening to some of these things and go, oh, I should get that checked out. Please go and see your physician, see your physical therapist in your local neighborhood, support them. And if you're not getting the expertise that you need, you can absolutely reach out to us and we can either point you to others in your area or you can see us. Hmm. Yeah. Um, let's, let's just dive into some, one of the things that you had mentioned was just some examples of some athletes that um, you've, you've helped or uh, that are on board uh, with PT sports pro. Why don't we just go down that a little bit? Yeah, it's, um, again, uh, and Dave can attest to this over the years because we worked together for several years um, and uh, I was I was proud to actually hire him for mm. his first job <laughs> working together and I get to right. rehire him. That's even better. Um, but uh, hopefully he's learned a lot in that time. Uh, but in what we've had to do is is we've we've started injury clinics where people would come up to us and, and have these kind of really pressing questions and like, for example, I remember this one girl that walked into the injury clinic the one day and she was hobbling and she had a lot of pain, very local to her shin bone. And uh, she was told by her healthcare professional to maybe just ice it and maybe stop running or run if she could. And when I checked her and, and I spent like five minutes with her, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. It feels like a, maybe you have a stress fracture going on. So I always go for like the worst case scenario. What is the worst that it could be? So you can scale back your activity. And, and so I said, here's what I would recommend you do. Go see a doctor. You may need a bone scan to, to determine whether it's a stress fracture or not. I always follow up with, I'd rather be wrong, yeah. but, but let's, let's rule this out. So fast forward, she calls me two days later, has this bone scan, has a significant stress fracture. And if she had continued to run on this, she could have actually fractured right through her tibia. 
So these are the kind of things that we need to mitigate by providing good information based on the knowledge that we have. And over the years, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've accumulated a lot of knowledge and I've worked with a ton of athletes. And I still, to this day, it's like the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. So we're still gathering more knowledge on this. So if if our passion is to help our community, we can't just wait for them to walk into our practice to help them. We've got to help them through, you know, avenues like this. So this is the part that I'm excited about. And that's the cool thing is you both are athletes. You're both out there and people like everybody knows when David Prado is running a race, he's got his own attire. Yeah, there's a lot of video. I was gonna say I felt really overdressed today. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, the the pink speedo always makes a showing at several races. uh, Recently, the colder the better. And there's people that don't know who he is, and they'll say, "Yeah, there's this guy in the speedo." I'm like, (laughs) "Yeah, I know who that was." (laughs) Speedo is more famous than he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just curious, are you doing the one in Holland in February? Yes. Ah, yes. There um, you go. Come I'm on. hoping next, it's nice that, and cold and snowy weekend. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's coming up. Should we get our own next team? weekend? You oh, know, man. I was thinking the the this segment should be a, a mandatory requirement to wear those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, we don't show below the table anyway. Oh, well, that's, not, that's not it. No, I, yeah. I am about twenty pounds up. I think I said fifty. I'm. I, I've got moves right now, so I, I don't really want to show those off. I think it'd be indecent at this point. I thought that would just be a dress requirement for this part of the show. Or at least when Dave's on. Well, we, we should just let Dave know that that's a requirement. The rest of us don't have to. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't feel awkward. I don't like his care. He's used to it after all this time. Yeah. When did that start? I'm just curious. This is the tangents we go down, but right. when did that start? Yeah, that was, uh, gosh, back um, probably seven or so years ago. Um I believe it was between Larry Crabb and another athlete um, had a little banter back and forth. And um, I think either Larry or I think Larry had uh, dared this individual to run a race in a pink Speedo. And he said, well, I'll do it if you wear a a tutu as as you're doing your MC. And he posted a picture up, got my tutu. Okay, you need to hold up your end of the deal. And so that individual said, oh, I don't want to do this alone. So he roped about five or six of us into doing it. And from then on out, I just, growing up as a swimmer, I'm fairly comfortable. That's your normal (laughs) swimsuit. Yeah, yeah. I'm fairly (laughs) comfortable in in that attire. And and the the wow factor is kind of funny too, because it gives some people a chance to just be like, whoa. You know, yeah. what's that guy doing? You know, take their mind off the pain. The crazy, I was just going to say, it makes me instantly feel warmer. <laughs> <laughs> the crazy thing. How do you, how do you attach your bib? That, oh yeah. That, well, often yeah, I'll use a t- race tattooed. belt, but uh, yeah. Oh, belt. We can pin it to you. him. Yeah. Uh, His skin is numb at that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need piercings and then that would set it off. Yeah. yeah I'm not that crazy. So what is the, it's the frostbite relay. Is that the one in Holland? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So come on out and see Dave run the frostbite. Wait, are you, are you doing the relay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, we're the hot popsicles, man. Yeah. We've been running this thing for, what, 15 years? And oh, yeah. Dave and I are on the same are you team. Run, are you wearing a Speedo too? We, we show the extremes. <laughs> he runs with the least amount of clothes and the fastest. I run him out with the most amount of clothes and the slowest. So, <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, let's face it. When you're wearing that much, you want to get done quick. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And get on some clothes. Get on the sweatshirt. True. So, speaking <laughs> of, uh, you know, getting out of things... Uh, Let's get back to uh, you yeah. Don't know sorry, you don't know. Tangent, sorry, <laughs> sorry. We're, you were gonna say something? Did you? Were you gonna say something? It was just my tangent, just the tangent along yeah. with me. Well, as we're so, athletes, uh, you know, we we are athletes uh, as well. Working with athletes, I've had a number of patients who just point blank will say to me, like, you know, I wanted to come to you, and I and I realized that you're an athlete, or I, when I discovered you're an athlete as well, you're a triathlete or whatever. Uh, I wanted to see you uh, amongst a, a sea of other people. Yep. I that that does uh, carry a lot of weight. Yeah, no, being an athlete in the in the field of sports medicine certainly helps, but we also have to match that expertise, right? So we can't just claim to be an athlete and be a physical therapist. We have to be really good at at, at what we do. And over the years, we've made it our mission to really get our skills levels built up and up and up. Uh, so no, I'm I'm grateful to work with a team that we have going into PT Sports Pro for 2024. Um, we've got some excellent clinicians, and we're going to deliver excellent care. 
treating you like a pro didn't just come up as a slogan. It's really what our mission is to treat everyone that walks into that well, door like a I, pro. That, that does make me think about that. If you're out there running though, and somebody and a patient sees you out there, I think the comfort level, you know, is, is oh, there then too. Yeah. So you're definitely, it's like we're on the same page. Well, it's like when mm-hmm. they meet with him, you know how they say, Oh, picture them. If you're uncomfortable, picture them without their clothes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they have that picture. Yeah, now. I've already seen that. <laughs> you're, on, you're on the tangent now. <laughs> yeah. It, it is pretty cool when you think about that though, because how many times have you, uh, and this is for a broad question of how many times has somebody went to the hospital uh, to to their doctor and said, hey, I, I run and this is hurting. The first thing they say is, well, let's dial back the running. Well, right. wait a minute. <laughs> no, that's part of my life. Right, like, right. It's not just dial back the running list. What's wrong with this? Well, I can, I can do this for you and give you some of this or, or some of that. And like, no, what is the problem? <laughs> yeah. And I think we've discussed this before where, you know, there is stuff going on with our bodies. And number one, we're, we're just like, we don't want to take the time to get it looked at because we can still do what we need to do. It just bothers us. And then when we finally wanted to speak to someone, we don't know where do we start. And then mm-hmm. when we do start with someone, we don't know if they're really listening to us. And then if they are listening to us, do they really understand what it is that I'm going through? I had a, a patient of mine tell me in the past, and I'll never forget this. She said when I was looking at her sprained ankle and, and she was still trying to run with a sprained ankle. And she said, Terrence, you don't understand. It hurts more not to run than it does to run. We understand that. Because even when I've been injured, I've still tried to figure out what can I still do safely so I can continue doing that stuff. So this is the kind of stuff that we want to bring into this this conversation, right? Because again, if you don't know what you don't know, how do you proceed safely? Because it's not just like, well, just ignore that and keep going. No, we'll ask you very pertinent questions, very specific things about, okay, where does it hurt? When does it hurt? Does it hurt during the running, before the run, after the run? Does it get worse? Does it get better? Because all of those questions will then lead us to giving you the best advice. So, you know, as as a rule of thumb, we make sure we take the time to really understand what it is that's going on so we can give you the best advice we can at the time. Yeah, you said something in there, though, that instantly made me think. uh, You said, um, where do I start? Is PT Sports Pro where I can start? Like, like, like from a, this hurts. Can I, can I just call you and start there? Do I have to, um, go through a bunch of hoops, go to my doctor, go to this, go to that, and then get referred to you? Like, can you just explain that a little bit? Cause this is something we did touch on a little bit. Right, right, right. So, so one of my, my pet peeves is just that the delay in getting access, right. Or the, Mm -hmm. or try to figure out where do I start? So what we are creating with PT Sports Pro is a consult service, right? Where you can either call or do a virtual visit or come in and we'll spend a brief amount of time at a very minimal cost to help you triage, just talk through and then point you in that right direction. The other part that we had kind of alluded to in the past is this idea of the the sports collaborative. And the sports collaborative is going to be like a local network of individuals, uh, clinicians, physicians that can be part of this group that will grant you access to their services in an expedited way. Now, instead of you having to seek that out, we'll do the homework for you and it'll be a benefit that'll be available to you at no additional cost. It'll be part of the service that we bring. So our goal isn't to nickel and dime you. As a matter of fact, I'd like to do this consults at no charge if I could, but, you know, we still have to pay our staff and pay the bills and do those things. So we will be doing a a consult service, yes, that can help triage an injury. In my my way of thinking, that could save you, if, if it gets you back out there, yeah, quicker. Absolutely. It, it's it's actually saving you at the end of the day. Right. I right. mean, because right. you think about that. When I started this thing with my knee, I just ignored it for the longest yeah. time because I was just too busy. But then finally, I want to do something about it. And I was talking to you and you're like, okay, you got to do this, this, and this. Right. And I'm already, you know, like I'm back up running to at least 10 miles in that amount of time. But I didn't just stop. I did back way off, which is not like me. And then I'm just coming back. Well, I think sometimes the fear of what it could be stops you from right. from taking it any further, right? And what I always say is get that test, get that MRI, figure out exactly what it is. You don't need to jump in and have surgery, but at least you know what you're dealing with. Right. And that's the other part of the equation that our athletes sometimes miss, right? They're, they're so afraid of, 
taking it to that next level for that MRI because they don't want to have surgery. But I'm like, why, why did you want to understand what's going on yeah. though? What's funny to me is I had that back issue a couple of years ago and I saw a spine specialist and he's like, you do have a herniated disc, but here, here's all these studies. We're, we don't recommend surgery unless you can't move. But I, I was, I didn't go to the doctor for the longest time and I was running on it every day until I couldn't stand up straight. Like I, I actually got to the point where I couldn't even hardly get out of bed. And then finally I went at that point and I probably maybe should have gone before that. Well, why? Cause you don't know what you don't right. know. Right. Yeah. So it, it just seemed like a natural thing for us to get down this road of, of trying to help people understand what they're dealing with and how best to get it addressed. And I think uh, this is, I'm hoping that this is going to be a very productive, helpful, helpful segment. Yeah. And uh, you know, our goal is to to push this out twice a month. And we're going to try to, we'll keep them between 30 to 60 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, somewhere <laughs> in the neighborhood. Laugh. 30 yeah. to 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be informative. It's going to be fun. Uh, and it's going to help you, you know, understand your bodies better. We're going to be, we'll have a list of topics that we will push out ahead of time to kind of cue you up as to, you know, something that may be interesting to you. We'll be bringing in some really good, guest speakers uh, i'm not able to share that right now but we will let you know hey next week's segment we're going to be having so and so uh because we also understand that we don't hold all the expertise but we know people that do so we're going to be the conduit for that yeah and on that note and correct me if i'm wrong but if we say joe smith specialty specialty and whatever feet is going to be on in two weeks. We want to hear questions, right? Right, right. Sending questions, comment on it. And we can ask those questions during that podcast and hopefully uh, shed some light on something very quickly, maybe very simply of just a, yeah, you need to get in and get it checked out or no, this is some simple things you can do to whatever, you know, I'm kind of just uh, drawing take, this out of right, nowhere, right, right. out of the I don't know section, but right. hopefully those are some things that can help. But I do want to touch on the cost thing real quick, like uh, Mitch just mentioned. Yeah, there's a there's a cost piece to it that, uh, let's say I'm signed up for Western States, um, which is a $200 race right out of the gate, a, a $2,000 bill just for my Airbnb, travel. Uh, travel. There's all these things and you go, Oh, I don't want to spend 200 bucks and call PT Sports Pro because of this potential thing. It's like, no, you could you could save yourself a ton of money. The number one, find out, hey, this is a real issue. You need to get taken care of right now. Or, hey, you can find out, hey, here's some think, simple things. You can still have a strong race. Think of the right. mindset that you can have right. going into that race now. Yeah. Knowing, mm-hmm. hey, I just got to do a few simple things and I can still have a solid race. Then I can get to this taken care of next next fall, whatever. Or you're gonna you're gonna beat your 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 head against the wall, wind up injured, and then and not it's doing a crap the race. race. Don't right, even yeah, go right, to the race. Right. You just blew thirty five hundred dollars. So four easy payments off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, to your point again. Like I, uh, one of the races I was working at recent uh, in the fall, um, I was working the expo the day before, and um, someone had brought in some kinesio tape because they always taped their knee for an injury that they had. And I was happy to tape it for them. And then another athlete swung by and says, oh, can I have my knee taped too? And so I said, do you have some tape? She goes, no, but I can get some. I'm like, okay, well, what's wrong with you, with your knee? She goes, no, nothing, but I just thought it would help. <laughs> so I thought, well, do you have a problem with your knee? Do you have any pain or discomfort? No, but I just thought it would help. So, so here's the thing again, right? When you see people taped all over the place, you think, oh, I should use that without correlating it to, but what is going on with my body? That that says, yeah, I need that versus I don't. It looks really cool it when does. you're out there. It's it like does. racing stripes. Yeah, It's <laughs> pressing through, getting it done. Well, let's talk about some of the topics that are coming up. Maybe you can just touch on those. Maybe some topics that you have coming up immediately in the near future so people can be listening for that um, and, and whatever, some, some bigger items or whatever you might have yeah. coming or thinking about coming in the... Later on down. Well, one of the big things I want to jump in today, and this is why I have Dave with me, uh, because we've both uh, talked about this at different um, presentations in the past, is it's the new year, right? We all come up with different goals. Yeah. Whether we're just wanting to eat right or train right. But I think almost all of us at the table have signed up for some sort of race. And so one of the topics we're going to talk about today is I signed up for a race. Now what do I do? 
And we're going to talk a little bit about the equipment, you know, that you'd need to check and tweak maybe. Uh, maybe something about your training plan, just a very overview of that. Something about uh, uh, your injury monitoring, you know, if you're training, what does injuries look like? Injury and, versus discomfort. Even. Right, right. How yeah. to recognize it mm -hmm. and then how best to address it. And so that we can get you to that start line and then it's up to you to get to that finish line. So it's it's an interesting topic because we've had some very good responses from people that have listened in to these topics before. And it's always been like a, a good thing to start the year off by. Because how many of us like have friends, uh, me included, that like I signed up for Gravel World Championships this year. I'm thinking, what did I just do? You know, it's a 25K run on Friday and a 75-mile bike ride on Saturday. And so I've got to queue up these things. Do I have the right equipment? You know, do I have the training plan? And what am I doing to my body to prepare it to do this, this race? So I'm excited about this topic that we're going to talk about today. Some other things that we'll be talking about moving forward is understanding what does flexibility and stretching look like? And what is the difference between the two? Who does that? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Who runners? You know, hey, a real stretch. simple question yeah. on that. And, and I I'm hoping the answer will make this way more appealing to most. How much time do I should, uh, trying to phrase this, what can I get away with that really is beneficial that takes me minimal time? Is it five minutes, 10 minutes? You can get away without stretching. No, no, no. Before, stretching. Be before a run if you're doing some form of stretching and flexibility at other times of the week, yes. But, you know, what we always do is recommend like a dynamic stretch routine, which shouldn't take really more than five minutes. Okay. But you don't want to, it needs to be a routine that you have practiced before so your body knows exactly what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish by going through those routines. So the very first time you do it, it may take you longer. But once you do it regularly, you can dial that down to a much shorter time period, yes. I think that's one of the hurdles is people are like, well, I don't want to take a half hour, an hour right. mm -hmm. to stretch today or tonight, you know? Right. right. And, and I don't think it has to be that. I could be wrong. Yeah. But, but, but it doesn't have to be this right. gigantic thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And this is why you got to listen to that segment and you'll find out a lot more about the why. And we get down to like how many repeats you have to do and how long you have to hold the stretch for. So there is some science behind all of these things. And we want to help you understand that so you can make the best decision. Um, we want to talk about the core. We all hear about the core. What is the core? How does it function? Why is it so important in our athletic endeavors? So we'll do a whole segment on that because there's so much about it that we can't just group it in with everything else. We'll talk about things like nutrition, hydration. How do you fuel your body so that it can keep doing what you need to do? And where do adjustments need to be made? So, for example, one of the big things we've done at our performance lab, which we will be offering at PT Sports Pro, is a sweat composition analysis. How much of sodium do you have in your sweat? And that is a, a, a fixed number that's a one-and-done test. Based on that number, we can then tell you, if you are training for a 5K in cold temperatures, here's how much of sodium you would need, versus in warm temperatures, here's how much you would need. And there's a whole algorithm that determines that. But most people don't realize this. So when I was marathon training, I thought I needed about 300 or so milligrams of sodium per hour. And I was happy taking that because most people were taking around 50 to 100. And then I do the test and find that I needed like 1,200 an hour. Wow. And when I switched to 1,200, I felt so much better. So, so, so understanding these little components, that's the kind of stuff. We're going to get into the details of those things for you guys as we go down this road. Quickly, I just want to, you said something there is, so did you say that's a one and done as in everybody's body makeup is pretty steady once you've tested that? Yes. Or is that something that can yes. fluctuate? The, the millimoles per liter of sodium in your sweat is a very um, finite, finite number. So when you number. test me on that, I can pretty much use that for yes. the next so, whatever training cycles. Right. So one of the things we do is when you get tested because of the company that we use to do the testing, you get access to a unique page for you that has an algorithm in it. And you punch in your millimoles per liter and you put in your workout that you want to do and how long you're going to do it for and the conditions and it'll throw out all the stuff that you need. Wow. And, and but, but beyond that, we have experts in our practice that will guide you along. So if you ever hit a roadblock, it's like, oh, I don't get this. 
We'll have an exercise physiologist on staff that's going to tell you, here's where you need to make these changes. Here's what you can do. And we'll even be providing you with the product. So if you want a product to supplement that, then we'll be able to provide that for you. Uh, the idea, again, is that how... I can't just do a test on you and not help you understand the results. I can't just explain the results and not have you give you the solution then for what are your options to supplement that that requirement. And then I can't just throw all that stuff out there and not giving you not give you a resource so you can have a reference point to come back and, and get that rechecked. So as you can see, it's this whole holistic approach to you as the athlete, not just you as a diagnosis. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, I, it's, I, I mean, I'm honestly, I'm sitting here going, man, I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait yeah, to hear about this. Because no. <laughs> that's, it, especially in the ultra world, it, man, your diet is insanely important. Yeah, right. And it's uh, like 80% of the race. Right? Yeah, you know, it seems and like, I have yeah. crashed so many times. Yeah. Well, you, and, and, he asked, and you also ran a race on nothing but watermelon and... Um, yeah, well, and, tailwind and, and watermelon. Yeah. yeah. And so that I'm guessing... And that hasn't worked since. Has not worked since. No. <laughs> yeah. And one of the other favorite things that we're going to uh, cover is yeah, because we've been involved as PT Sports Pro doing medical coverage at events. We're going to talk a little bit about what, why is that important? Why do you have medical coverage? What can you expect as an athlete when you're out on a race and there's coverage present, uh, especially when it's provided by us? Because we are very consistent in how we deliver it. So you don't have to figure out the, you know, what if. We'll right. take care. That's of a really good point to yeah. make because I'll be honest. I, I, I mean, I've, I've ran a lot of races, not as many as Mitch, but I've ran a lot and I'll, I'll be honest when I see medical, I don't, I don't know what I can do there. Like, I don't know if I can just go in and ask a simple question. Does it have to be serious? I mean, and I think I'm not alone in that. I think there's a no, lot of no. runners that don't know the level of like, and I just go in right? and say, hey, my hamstring's a little tight, and I'm at mile 10 of the marathon. Like, I really don't know. I, I honestly yeah. don't know if that's what we're supposed to be asking them. So we'll yeah. be making that a lot easier, both for the athletes and the clinicians, and there's more coming on that topic. So, so as you can hear, uh, we have quite a variety of topics that's going to be all centered around you don't know what you don't know, so let's help you know. And that's what PT Sports Pro is all about, right? If we're going to treat you guys like a pro, then we got to figure out how to provide you with pro advice. But with this, you know, talking about all this stuff, what I want to get out there again is like what we talked about already. If people have questions, they should submit that. And yes. that will help because we can talk about that. Or, you know, are people that know more than what we know, Lewis, can, can right. actually answer oh, that. I know it all. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the things, I know we have these recordings uh, on YouTube, right? So they can go to I Don't Know Running. Uh, YouTube video section. Yeah, if you search "I don't know running" yeah, on Google uh, and YouTube, we pop up. So. Right, and then right there they can make comments that will feed right into you yeah, guys. Yeah, if you go to YouTube or Facebook, either one, uh, right. and you can send it to I don't know running at gmail dot com. If it's a more, uh, I don't know, you want to share it with the world, you can certainly email right. us there. Right, and so the same thing for PT Sports Pro. If you have a question that you just randomly want to ask, not tied to any topic, just email us at info at ptsportspro.com and we'll get that information and we'll respond to that in a timely manner. But we can also roll it into the discussions that we're having too to make sure that you get the answers that you're looking for. And I do have a topic that we need to cover at some point. Uh, somebody did request plantar fasciitis. How to, what do we do, like that to, kind of how a thing. How to get so it or how to treat it. How to treat it. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Don't get it, yeah. Uh, so we do need to cover that topic at some point. Yeah, uh, yeah it would so be I nice to cover like specific injuries as well. Yeah. And so there's a host of things. That's why this is going to be an ongoing thing. And that's why starting with this topic today about, you know, I just signed up for a race, what do I need to do next well, is going to be helpful. Especially it being the new year. And by the time this comes out, it's going to be basically the end of the month. And how many people have dropped off by the end of the month? Right? <laughs> so you signed up for a race and you're like, oh, I haven't done a dang thing. I want to raise my hand of it. No, <laughs> I, I can't do that. <laughs> no, you ran today. I know. I'm good. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah. So are we ready to jump into this topic? The first yeah, one? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to Dave on this first one because so, so most people that are doing, you know, signing up for races in this area are either runners, whether they're doing, you know, road or trail, 5Ks to marathons, they're runners. There's a segment of people that are biking at all levels, you know, single track, mountain biking, uh, gravel, um, road races, 
triathlons that includes the swim component. Some people are doing swims only. There's some really cool swim things happening in Michigan. Yeah. So, so we're going to cover the swim, bike, and run in terms of equipment. So as a swimmer, someone's, you know, they sign up for a race that involves swimming. What are some of the pieces of equipment that you would recommend or some of the things that you think would be helpful for the listeners to then like, oh, I should get that. Something that maybe you have tried, especially as a swimmer yourself, that you have tried uh, and said, yeah, definitely do this. Or, you know, I wouldn't waste my time doing that. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, swimming is relatively um, easy. There's a relatively short list of uh, of items, so that makes it a, a, a nice in many ways. And we know you got the speedo, that, but checked, but right. what else? Yes, <laughs> you, you need a speedo. It's great it. to have a speedo. Yes. <laughs> um, but um, honestly, getting started, um, don't really deal with too much equipment. You know, really just get to know the water, and that depends on your your own. Um, abilities and your own comfort with the water and how much you had or hadn't trained, um, leading up to after signing up for the race. Um, understand just how your body's functioning in the water and, and, uh, reach out to either getting a coach if you want to go into that route or, um, just getting some training miles in to begin with so that you understand your body. Yeah. So just purely based on the equipment itself. So one of the things I Mm -hmm. found that is, can be vastly different is the fit of the swim cap, right? And the fit of the swim goggles. Because some caps, they're just not flexible or stretchy enough and it can give you so much of pressure around your skull that you can actually start getting headaches from that. And the same thing for swim goggles, right? Because if you don't have the right goggles, if they don't fit you correctly, it starts to leak. So our instinct is to tighten it up. But that's not... The, the, not leakage, the, answer. the leakage is, is a foot issue, not a tightness issue. Often, yes. Right? So do you have some some special yeah, so goggles the, or, or even swim caps that you would recommend? Yeah, I've definitely tried a number of different um, types of goggles myself and had experience with that. And um, on the goggles in particular, uh, most people think that uh, the tighter the better, that's going to hold the seal. Um, but often, really, if you just bring the level of the strap to be straight sort of perpendicular to your head or level straight, with your eye. Yeah, level with your eye and eyes and straight back rather than either too high, too low. Um, that alone gets rid of about 80, 90% of the leakage issues. Right. And uh, I, I know the one thing that, that sometimes I would even forget to do is when I put my goggles on, if I press on that nose bridge just to kind of close up the seal, it makes such a big difference. And when I don't do that, you know, just put a light pressure on, light, yeah. on on the goggles itself so that they can create the sort of suction around there. Yeah. Uh, because uh, what, what use is it if you have even the best goggles, but they don't fit well or they're leaking? Because you're not going to get into the, Then you're going to be distracted when you're even trying to swim. Yep. So the equipment is key, right? Exactly. Yeah. Do you recommend flippers for like people that are doing some, even whether they're in pool or open water swimming? Yeah, the flippers can be beneficial for sure. They can, um, they do a lot for, especially for triathletes, to keep your legs up. You know, a lot of people struggle struggle with keeping their legs horizontal with their body and in the uh, in line with the surface of the water, so that you're you're most efficient. And uh, the fins can help that dramatically. Plus, it, it gives a nice boost to the confidence for sure to have a little bit of extra power behind your body and you don't really have to focus on 10 different things at once. The, the flippers are giving you some momentum that you really want to generate so that then your arm turnover, you whatever you, you need to focus on can You can actually happen. focus on right, that. Right, but yeah. is that kind of a muscle memory thing then? Because you can't use flippers in a race, I wouldn't think. or most, So it's it's just a... So with the equipment, part of it is uh, helping you appreciate certain types of alignment. So okay. someone like me, where I've got this big, heavy butt and, and thighs, <laughs> I I can swim vertically in the water if so I do if like I that. don't yeah if I don't train myself to be more horizontal. Okay. So uh, which is the other piece of equipment I was thinking about as Dave was talking is the flippers. Yeah, they do help you to to appreciate that position. But you don't always wear the flippers. You wear it to appreciate the position and then you take them off and then you, you do drills without and try to maintain that position. Okay. So that's part of that. This part of the year, that's the best way to focus on that training. The other equipment that, that I really love is buoy shorts. Um, again, because of the weight of my trunk. And when I wear that, it really helps me to stay up there and be a little bit more level and uh, and it, it it definitely has helped improve my swimming. But I 
I could improve my swimming quite a bit. So <laughs> yeah. I, I could use every every yeah. little device that possible to help me swim better. <laughs> right, totally. It gives you this, the kinesthetic sense really right. is is uh, what it comes down to. This, this body position sense that, okay, this is where my body needs to be. And if you can feel that with a, with a tool like flippers or the um, right. compression shorts, then you recognize then how to do it without those tools. Right. And then lastly, uh, so we've got, you know, we've got the swim cap, got the goggles, we've got buoy shorts. So if you're doing some open water, the right kind of triathlon wetsuit, not just your regular neoprene wetsuit. Uh, and then flippers, depending on what you're training for and what you're trying to create. Um, what about like a good watch, uh, a swim watch? Are there you know, some items better than others uh, when it comes to swimming and tracking your yardage and time? Yeah, I've got a little bit of experience with a few different watches, primarily with the, the Garmin watches and uh, the technology there. I'm quite impressed with. They have uh, nice technology that yeah. has been very, very accurate for me. You can dial down the distance uh, of what you, pool you're swimming in. If you're in a, in a pool, whether it's meters or yards, 25, 50, um, and use that as, hey, you don't have to count your laps. You don't have to be as as focused on that. Again, allowing you to focus on technique and whatever the workout is. Um, so the the Garmin, I think the, the latest model is a 935 or 965, 965. XT. Oh yeah. Yep, that's the one I got. And Thanks I think up. I started Thanks with a nine, the one I had to get. <laughs> I think I started with a 910. The 910 yeah. XT, I think it was. Uh, um, and... Yeah, that, that was, or, was it the rectangular one? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I had one of those. Um, and I think that's what I trained uh, for my Ironman with. It was either that or this one. I don't I don't remember exactly which. But to your point, man, was it nice when you started to learn the swim, uh, all the things that it would actually track, like right. the laps and things like right. that. It did take a, a ton of weight off. To the equipment point, though, one, things I, one of the things I did want to say is if you are getting into and you're not familiar with your uh, local's pool, definitely before you go out and purchase a bunch of this equipment, a lot of those pools have that equipment. They'll have the fins. They'll have the buoys mm. to go between. Like So for me, I didn't have to get any of that because my local Y that I had, that I swam at, they had all that. Right, so it was right. really nice to not have to worry about it and think of, oh, I got to remember to take this, remember to take that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. The, the, the actual swim buoys and the pool buoys, are always available on deck. Uh, but just to be clear, the, the buoy that I was talking about are these shorts that are buoyancy shorts okay. that's made out of a rubber material. So it doesn't soak in with water and 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 drop you down. As a matter, it's designed to actually lift up that part of your trunk. Are they legal for some uh, for tries? No, no, oh, not, not 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 USAT. Uh, okay, no, I don't think they are. No, can they really. be used they like a wetsuit? In, right? They can be in place of a wetsuit. In place yeah. of a wetsuit. Yeah, so, oh, so like if are, a wetsuit is allowed, then it's allowed. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you're only allowed to wear a speed suit, for example, you can't wear the shorts underneath right. the speed suit, which would be probably different than most of your tries. Most of your tries are. Just if it's a wetsuit, a wetsuit, right? Right. In, in West Michigan, Depending yeah. on temperature. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So before we get too far off topic uh, on that, hopefully the listeners have not understood just from a swim standpoint, as simple as the art of swimming can be, there is some things that they can pay attention to in terms of choosing the right equipment that'll give them at least a bit of an advantage and a, 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 at best help them to at least focus on the swim itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The next part of that uh, triplex of equipment is biking. Now, we know that firstly, one bike doesn't fit all. And with all the different kinds of biking, you know, the most number of bikes you should have at home, it should be N plus one, right? Got it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm finding this out by myself right now as I thought, oh, I could use my mountain bike to ride a gravel races. Yeah, but my mountain bike, you know, weighs 40 pounds and a gravel bike weighs, you know, 16. So... I may want to get a gravel bike. So my uh, tangent, how many bikes do you have right now? <laughs> Me personally, uh, let's see. I actually sold one recently. So I have five, what? six. Um, and you're looking at a new one right now. I'm going, leaving tomorrow to go pick up a bike. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, on the other hand, have had to raise two kids. <laughs> uh, okay. so my bikes are my kids. Have three. <laughs> so I've got, I've got two actually. I have a tri-bike that I bought in 2006 for my first Ironman. 
And I've kept that thing in really good shape. I mean, I detail it like I do my vehicle and it works great. So I bought it with a really good set of gears and shifters and I keep riding that until I can actually get faster. I'm not going to buy a new bike there. Uh, and then I have a, right, a nice mountain bike right now. But that's a little too heavy for some of the gravel stuff so that you, I want to do. So sure. I am actually the N plus one is the gravel bike that's coming next. Yeah. Uh, but with biking, you know, it's not just a matter of, you know, what, you have to buy the right bike that that can help you in that event, especially if you want to excel in that segment. So, for example, you could ride a mountain bike or a gravel bike on a road triathlon, but you couldn't ride a tri bike on a on a mountain bike course or on a, on a gravel exactly, course. Yeah. So that's the, the thing. So make sure you're in the right segment of the bike. But there are some basic things that we found out through our experience, both as clinicians working with people that have like leg or knee pain and back pain, where there's certain components of fits on the bike that you should be more like checking out, make sure this fits you right before you start getting lots of miles on your bike too and then injuring yourself. Um, so you want to maybe expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, going right into fit specifically, mm. it is quite important. I mean, the, the fit on the bike can impact just what you were saying, knee pain, back pain. Back pain is like one of the biggest um, issues that bikers will experience. Uh, mainly in both the tri and road position, you're going to be pretty far flexed forward on the bike. And in tri position, you're significantly flexed forward and, and for a long period of time. So if you're on a bike that is not fitting you well, um, you're going to know it pretty quickly. And you want to do something about it pretty quickly as well. Yeah. And just for our listeners, again, to understand the biggest difference, and correct me if I'm misstating this, but the biggest difference between a road bike setup and a triathlon bike setup is that the triathlon seat post is a lot further forward over the crank versus a road bike, the seat post is a lot further back over the towards the back wheel. Generally, the bias, yeah. right? Yeah. There's some other fits and features as well, but that's the biggest thing that uses different you know, components of muscles to power you through. So there is a difference between a road bike and a tri bike, even though they kind of can sometimes look similar. Right. Yeah, you can utilize, and in, a, in, a, in an event, in training and in an event itself, you can uh, certainly interchange. You, could, you can ride a road bike. I've done it a few times in a tri race um, and vice versa. So um, generally, it's not recommended to use the tri bike in the road races. The right, right. roadies right. don't usually they like don't really those. Like but, but nonetheless, you can. Yeah. So, so one of the things that that struck me as a uh, like when I think about it from a science standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. But at the time when I was choosing my bike, I didn't realize that the top tube, the length from where my butt sits on the seat to where my elbows are going to reach out on my air bars, that that would matter based on the way my body's built. So there are certain bikes if that top tube is too long, it gives it too much of a reach. I have a shorter trunk and longer legs. Uh, I don't fit correctly on that bike. So sometimes when you choose a bike, especially if you're picking, picking up something as a used bike where you're not getting the fit, you just see something that's in your price range and you buy it, you know, you want to be able to make sure that your fit is right even on that. Now, there are some things that can be done to close that gap, but, you know, the fit really is key on your bike. Yeah, and I can, I can speak to this a little bit because uh, I'm, I'm a, I am a walking testament. I tell everybody, take, spend the 150 bucks or whatever it is. Uh, that's, I think that's what it was when I got my bike to get fit because I went from entering into tries with a road bike, which is fine for like the sprint or it's your first one. Use what you have. That's great. Get introduced to the sport. You will quickly find out if that bike works for you or not um, from a, most times when you get off the bike to start running, you will know right away how well that bike fits you because you will not run like you did, like you do normally, right. just, just going out to run. And I, so I did that and I could not believe how awful I felt getting off the bike. It was miserable. Went and got fit and had a bike built for, and I, when, when, when they, when they're talking about fit, for those that are listening, it's not like you spend exorbitant amount of money on a custom bike. They, it's a standard bike, but they fit it to you. So it's not like it costs you $5,000 more to have this fit bike. Right. Right. It's that they're measuring your body. It's around 150 bucks. Again, it, it was mm -hmm. when I did it. Yeah. And um, usually, generally speaking, most times that goes towards the purchase of your bike. So it's not, you're not just throwing that money out. But when I did that, I was 
amazed the first time I got off yeah. the bike and started running. It was, I mean, it, was, it felt amazing. It felt great. I think I remember one of my earlier tries where I didn't know as much about bike fit and I like, borrowed a bike from a friend. And uh, I remember the first couple of triathlons that I did, I thought you you had to walk the first half yeah. a mile or a mile because <laughs> your legs just didn't work yeah. until yeah. I changed the bike. So yep. the equipment makes a huge, huge difference. I just didn't know it at the time. And but and over time, we've correlated the bike fit to injury profiling. And yeah, it's, it can make a huge difference. I remember seeing a, a guy that actually worked on some of the bike fitting at his local bike store. And I was seeing him for hip pain. And one of his issues was whenever he was on his bike, he was having this continuous hip pain. So here's a guy that actually knows how to fit and knows what to look for. But you can, it's easier to see that in someone else versus yeah, yourself. Yeah. So I had him bring his bike in and his trainer in, in, into our practice. And we took a look at it. And I, I noticed right away his stem was just a little too low, about an inch too low. So I, I kind of picked it up and, you know, that that difference and said, okay, let's, if we got you to this point. And he starts cycling. And after a couple of minutes, he goes, the pain's gone. Hmm. So it was as simple as that, right? Sometimes you think that the hip pain may be an issue with the hip itself versus it being an issue with your equipment that's now creating that strain and drain. So that's why I really wanted to spend some time today talking about equipment because it is that important to setting you up for success during your you know, your training. So outside of the bike, you know, there's always cool gadgets like, you know, the kind of pedals, the shoe fit, the helmet, you know, make sure that's fitted right. And even down to the sunglasses. Like I noticed that uh, if I have a sun, uh, if I'm biking with sunglasses that has too wide of a uh, frame on top, I have this blind spot because of the position yeah. that I'm in. Mm -hmm. And so I either had to cock my head too far back and then uh, my yeah. neck starts hurting or drop my head down. You can't see. So Yeah. <laughs> so so you have to figure out ahead of time, this time of the season, what it is that you're picking and choosing for your bike ride so that you are the most efficient. It's, I call these the low-hanging fruit, right? So these are the kind of things that you can do that can save you hundreds, thousands of dollars down the line from injuries and needing to get that treated. Anything yeah. else on the bike, yeah. dude? Oh, yeah. I was just going to reiterate a little bit with speaking to the aero position, you know, when you get the aero bars um, being equipment that's different on the tri bike as compared to a road bike, that's going to be a, a, a challenge, especially if you're not used to it. It's going to be quite a challenge to jump into that. Um, and so having the bike on the trainer, being in that position firstly, so that you understand what it, what it should feel like and under safe conditions um, and then, of course, with all the fit that we've talk, talked about, right. then kind of moving yourself or working yourself onto the road. That's exactly what I did 24 years ago when I borrowed a bike from a from a friend. And it's like, you know, I can't just jump into the race and jump on this bike with aero bars. I need to like get out and try it out on my own terms and, yeah. and get comfortable with what I'm going to be experiencing yeah, well, I wish you were there when I bought my first bike because I took it for a sprint around Reeds Lake and take that first turn by the middle school there. I was in my aerial position. Didn't realize that I should have gotten into a brake position as I went around oh, a no. corner. Caught a rut, went sliding down. The bike was still attached to my shoes and I, I saved the bike. Oh, the head and looked my, amazing. My friend looked at me, he goes, dude, are you okay? And I'm like, is my How's bike okay? Bike? <laughs> <laughs> so I remember getting my first scratch on that bike. I still look at it every now and again, uh, the memories. I ah, still have it. <laughs> I still do. Uh, it's a great bike. It's, I love it. It's, you know, it's one of the the, nine the, er, the earlier ones that had, you know, carbon forks and carbon seat posts and things. Oh, wait, it's got the looks. banana seat and the big sissy bar. <laughs> yeah, on. I know. Yeah. I love it. I love it's it. got it's a flag. Dreamers. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Hey, don't, don't mock those bikes, no, man. Ah. My first triathlon, I was in my cool aero bike, and there was a guy that passed me with like stream, like a mountain bike with streamers and a little tring tring bell on it. So yeah, you know, hey, it, hey, it, you remember <laughs> the motor matters. This was back when we we were we were running in the same circle of the tries that we we talked about doing a. It was like you and, and I think it was Mike and and Jeff. We were all talking about buying yard sale banana seat bikes and doing a try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that'd be a fun race to actually. Right? It would have been fun just if just a sprint try and just just go and have fun on these bikes. Let's make sure yep. that everything's adjusted right. <laughs> Optimize. <laughs> you, you're not gonna 
it's not going to be an ideal, but at least optimize the position. Yeah, <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. You got to wear the knee socks with the stripes on them. Oh, um, for sure. Converse. Yeah. For sure. Well, well, maybe it would have been in a Speedo, but. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of shoes, I'd like to jump you know, into that third segment, which is like you guys' sweet spot as well, right? When it comes to shoes and the running side. Not all shoes are created equal. And there's so many times people look at the pretty colors when they buy their shoe or the brand versus what actually or, fits you best. Or they go to Walmart and get a pair of Nikes that are not the same Nikes you're going to get at a running store. Right, right. You know, or Dick's. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. literally in Dick's Sporting Goods yesterday. More to more to just like kind of survey. Like, you know, I, I tell people what running stores to go to, but then, you know, to literally make sure that I know exactly what other stores have and, uh, you know. I, so the, the idea with the because running store is understand that even within the brand, that not all they, products within the brand are equal. Right. They yes. make a cheap shoe that they sell at cheap short stores. I mean, there right. is definitely a difference. I don't think people always understand that. Right, they, right, they say, right. well, they are, they're Nikes. They're yeah. still good, but yeah, and th- they're th- basically. And this is the importance of supporting your local running store because mm-hmm. right there you have experts on hand that not only walk you through the whole process, but it'll also give you the other bits of information about, you know, the type of foot that you have and how does it function. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so the biggest thing that we notice with shoe fit is there, there's basically like a neutral shoe that has an equal amount of cushioning all the way around. There's a stability shoe that has some um, higher density polyurethane on the arch area to provide that control so your foot doesn't roll in too much. And then there's the motion control shoe that has a lot more higher density polyurethane going all the way from the big toe to the heel. So the more structured that shoe is, it's, it's basically making up for the lack of structure that your foot has. But when you analyze this and when people look at the kind of shoe that should work for them, it, the key that I've learned, especially in the last few years, is you got to look at the foot in a dynamic position. So if you just stand and your feet are flat, that still doesn't give you enough information about what kind of shoe you should have. Because in your running, if you're a heel striker, you would be with or without flat feet. Heel strikers need a different kind of shoe than a midfoot runner. And so that, I think, if you take away one thing from this conversation about shoes, it should be to understand what kind of runner you are. And there's no... Science that's showing that heel strikers are at a better advantage than midfoot runners or vice versa. You do end up with different kinds of injuries depending on where you run. And which is why the shoe that addresses that running form matters. Right? Well, I find actually I, uh, I'm more of a heel striker, but I do drag my left foot. You need so, to stop being such a drag, Mitch. I know. <laughs> but it's funny. Like I wear that tread off, that left, that left shoe. Yeah. Like early on. Yeah. And then that's bald. Yeah. Like on the heel? On the heel. Yeah. On, on my left shoe. My, the other one looked perfect. Hmm. My left shoe, it falls apart way before. So I have yeah. to change my, my shoes based on my left my left shoe. So how many miles are you in by the time you're changing that shoe? 500. Okay. So, so something that, you know, maybe some of the most seasoned runners, I'm not saying old. Um, well, we can say old. We're old. <laughs> Some of the most seasoned runners that have always, you know, tra- changed their shoes every 500 miles. Well, you also, we also ran in shoes back in the day where there was a break-in period, right? You had to break your shoe in before you could actually yeah. get the miles on. Because those shoes were made out of harder compounds. And those harder compounds needed to be sort of like stretched out, loosened up a little bit. So then you can get the mileage out of it. Well, fast forward to 2023, 24 the shoe compounds are much softer, so you can actually run in them a lot quicker, but you'll get less miles on them. So what we're finding is right now, the cutoff is about 300 miles for most shoes. It's even less for the uh, speed shoes. I, I agree right. with yeah. that, but I, you know, up until just recently, I run so many miles. It gets so expensive so quick. I do, yeah, and I do pay how's attention. How's those to... PT bills coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, 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 the bag? I, 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 yeah. How was your run this morning? I'm digging my own hole. I'm digging yeah. my own no, hole. I, I, I don't disagree with but you. But I, I have, I yeah. have taken, as long as it's always the same shoe, I always run in the same shoe, yeah. but I've taken a pair of shoes out of the box and run a marathon. And there's a lot of people that will yeah. think like you have to, there's a break-in period. Right. 
there is no there is no breaking period for me. I can run only, a marathon. Yeah, the only thing was would be on that is you just you just don't know. Like right. the whole thing, you don't know what you don't. You don't know those shoes yet because you've literally never run in them. I mean, you right. don't know if there's a factory defect. But, uh, you don't know. So that's the only thing. But uh, yeah, that's the, the only thing. Yeah, but the, because but, but if it's the same shoe I've run in every yeah, day, yeah. 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 I wouldn't change brands and run a yeah, marathon. Yeah. I would so, test those out. So, yeah, we will agree to disagree a little bit on this for the main reason of what you just said with the shoe example, right? You have the cheap shoes in one store and the better quality shoes in another store. Not all shoes are made exactly the same. They're True. still made by individuals, hopefully, and not just machines, um, that there's going to be a slight difference from one to the other. So if you put on a brand new shoe on race day, even if it's the exact same brand, it can still have certain like hot spots or the lacing's not just yeah. right. And so I would not advise wearing There's a that. new shoe on race day. At very least, do a, a shakeout run the day yeah. before if you want to do that. Um, and, and then make sure that everything is set right. And so with the shoe, the, the shoe itself matters that matches your foot and your running form. Um, but also the mileage matters as to when do you retire that shoe. I was the same, but I would get 300 miles and I knew where I was. But I'm like, ah, I can still running. The shoe looks great, right? I always say I have the best yard shoes in the neighborhood. But, you know, within the next 10, 15 miles, I would get this crazy left knee pain. And I'm like, what did I just do? And then I'd switch to a new pair of shoes and the pain would go it's away. It's crazy. Yeah. You can so, tell. It's yeah. like you can tell they're yeah. flat as soon as you put on a new pair. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I should have done that a while ago. Yeah. The other th caveat on the shoe side of it, which again, I know there's a lot of stuff that we can cover on shoes, but... Um, the lacing does matter. I, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, I actually wore a pair of shoes that I was running with in South Africa. It wasn't just a new pair of shoes that I picked, that I got at the marathon last year. And I took it home with me and I had the one side, the lace was a little too tight. And I had like uh, foot pain for two or three days after running in that shoe. That. And I only ran like five miles. But that tension can make such a difference. And the other thing I didn't factor in is I was running in the summertime, super hot weather in South Africa. So my foot swelled a little bit more. Oh. So then that tightness really made it matted. So you want to make sure that your shoes are laced well, laced equally. Um, and, uh, you know, so one of the things I tend to do is I lace my shoes up ahead of time. And then I can, I can slip them on using my finger to hold it, you know, the heel cup back with a little bit of effort. And, and and I can slip them off without having to do undo the laces. And that, for me, has worked really well That's, in keeping my foot it, it's like comfortable. It's kind of like we were talking about earlier with uh, just the fit of your, your goggles. But it's the right. same thing with your shoes. When I first started running, I used to think I had to reef them things down. Right. And, yeah. and, you, and they should be somewhat loose. Your, your foot should be able to move in there a little bit. And come, we'll probably get to this, too, is good socks. Right. And, mm -hmm. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It is funny. I used to have that same thing. I, I, I'd run and my feet would hurt for days because I wrenched them down too mm -hmm. tight. Mm -hmm. And it does, it does matter. Yeah. And I think with the, when it comes to the socks, but, uh, um, you know, there's this, there's the, the wicking socks that really pulls the moisture away versus the cotton socks that can absorb moisture. And, and actually you start to like slide inside your shoe and create blisters and all sorts of issues. Uh, and the one thing that we didn't talk about was actually the sizing of the shoe as well. A running shoe can be a half a size to a size and a half higher up yeah. than your normal dress shoe. So keep that in mind when you're buying shoes. Make sure they fit well. Make sure they do what they need to do. And also what I've noticed over the years of, of working with runners is you can run in the wrong shoes for about five, six miles or so. Uh, and and no matter what you're wearing, it, it works. But once you get past that mileage, that's when the, the shoe really matters. So I often will get, you know, long-distance runners coming in and like, oh, man, I, you know, I'm having this issue with my foot or my knee or something like that. And when I talk to them about it, it's like, oh, yeah, I just, like, what was your last long run? Oh, we just, I just moved up from six to eight miles. And it's right in that window is when they're starting to have the issues where the shoe hmm. does matter. So the age of the shoe matters, the type of shoe, the foot of the shoe. So I think from an equipment standpoint, hopefully the listeners have got a, a sort of a clear understanding right now of you're starting off, you sign up for your race. What do I need to do? What do I need to know? And this puts you in the know from an equipment standpoint. Um, there's there's other components of what else do I need to know and do that we can cover maybe at, at you know, the future yeah. Uh, um, yeah. topics just because we want to keep these segments to about an hour or so. 
And um, yeah, so I think on the equipment side, guys, do you think, uh, is there anything else that you'd like us to touch on? Or? We touch on it once in a while because I, you know, we talked about for ultras and stuff like that. Uh, like I wear compression shorts now and I didn't before, but that chafing, oh my gosh. Like you, Yeah, and the ultra, especially, well, and it's not just an ultra, but yeah, once you probably jump over about eight miles, well, Careful because it, it can happen at just about any distance uh, for different people and diff, you know. But, um, but yeah, no, I think I think I think that's a good base. Yeah, uh, what we've just covered with getting into whether you're running, swimming, biking, all three couple. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that is a good base. We have a ton more uh, obviously coming up in the future. Whether it's on a normal Sunday segment or a Wednesday segment. I'm looking at a couple of things that we have already immediately coming up, which are going to be a lot of fun to cover as well. Um, any final thoughts as we wrap this uh, this Peace. intro episode? Yeah, I'll let Dave go first. Dave? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, um, keeping to the you don't know what you don't know um, theme really is hopefully this um, has kind of primed anyone's mind to really kind of think about like, what situation they have been in where something came up and they're they had a question about it but maybe didn't have the ability to ask anyone or anything like that that that's really what i where i think this this could thrive um but yeah all in all you know you want to be comfortable and, and methodical with your with your training and your, and your plan and uh, looking forward to you've signed up for a race so um be as methodical as you can and and ask around and try to get the best advice you can yeah, and I agree. And I think as we've polished our intros, I think I want my outro to be, and now you know.